0: And welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. That's at the Loyal Sons on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for Pit Sports content you won't want to miss. If you... Today is Monday, January 16th, and we are coming to you live, recorded from our very brand new space. This blue tinted box with Heinz Field in the background. Gentlemen, how are we feeling Um does it? It is the energy in the room a little bit different. We aren't on Zoom anymore.
1: Maybe energy is different because the basketball team is coming off of a double digit road win in ACC play. But it could also be the background of our Zoom for recording. If you're watching on YouTube, I've won that- towards the first. That's your incentive to watch on YouTube. Yeah, I almost forgot about the
0: basketball game. I get easily distracted by these shiny new things like a new uh, recording service uh, really stepping up in the world. But now that you mentioned it, uh, Pitt basketball, big double-digit win this Saturday. What are are we feeling about that game? Um, What did we feel during that game? And how have we uh, recalibrated our brains to believe that that was just like a perfect running out of the gym of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets?
2: I think in the moment, there was some nerves. Obviously, this was a game that, despite Georgia Tech being 8-9 team, it felt like a game that was huge because Pitt was coming off two straight losses. And it was a game that we absolutely had to have to stay on the bubble and in these tournament talks. And it just felt like in the first half, Georgia Tech was shooting the lights out, getting every loose ball, getting weird bounces their way. And it just felt like one of those games that, Pitt was just going to get unlucky. Uh, We had a small stretch in the second half where we went through another drought where we couldn't put the ball in the hole. And then Pitt finishes the game up 11 points and gets a double-digit win on the road. So it's really encouraging to me. One of the most promising wins of this year is it felt like a lot of things went wrong for Pitt. And then they still managed to pull off a a road victory by double digits. So that that was really encouraging going into this stretch where... Pitt probably had to win this game and the next two to to really keep them their hopes alive for the tournament.
1: This had vibes of the Wake Forest game a few years ago. Remember when they made like 25 threes and that was the beginning of the end of the season. I think we lost all but one, maybe two games down the stretch. Uh, Georgia Tech was making every three in the first half. I think they averaged seven a game. And they had eight in the first half. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, the sky was falling, and at the time, it was a lot more nerve-wracking. But when you sit back and like look at the box score, Pitt controlled most of that game. It was back and forth. Georgia Tech had it close, but Pitt led almost the entire game. So uh, it was a big win. The team showed some maturity, and they did not let the season spar out of control just yet. Yeah, Squid, you hit the
0: nail on the head with something there. Um, It it felt like the trademark of the post-Jamie Dixon era for Pitt basketball is, oh, this team is shooting 70% from 3 that averages like 35% you reference that game against Wake Forest uh his name escapes me but that that Egyptian kid was averaging about 4 points a game and just dropped 30 on us like that mm-hmm. is what happens oh oh this is the worst rebounding team in the country uh crushing us on the boards and it felt like that was happening again against Georgia Tech with the way they were shooting from uh beyond the arc
2: I felt like one theme that has kind of come true these last couple games was that rebounding issue. And ultimately, Pitt was out-rebounded by Georgia Tech, but it it was something that they were able to weather. Um, it's definitely something they're going to have to clean up, but they won't have any reinforcements anytime soon. I don't want to completely skip over the, the positive of winning this game, but there was also a negative that came out this weekend with the basketball team, and that's that John Hughley has ultimately decided to take the rest of the season off to deal with mm-hmm. some issues he's going through mentally um, and physically to get, get himself hundred percent healthy. But those reinforcements won't be coming. I think a lot of pit fans and in our hopes and in the back of our minds, it was Hughley will eventually be back for this team and that'll add some, another big body, someone to help on the glass. So, these guys, the nine scholarship guys that Pitt has available right now, are the ones that they're going to have to roll with through the rest of the year. So um, not going to be a growth spurt between now and the end of the season. So these guys kind of just have to figure it out. They can beef up the twins.
0: If I can gain like 15 pounds over a holiday, I think they can put a little bit of meat on uh, on the Diaz-Grams. We'll
1: if guys, around, the O is still around, it'd be easy just... Lock them in there until they run out of fries to eat. RIP. Do you know my favorite thing about this pit team? Take a guess. Aside from them just being winning above 500. Yeah. yeah. A little more specific than that. They can shoot? True. Times, exists. All good guesses. It's that different players can take over the game. Mikey yeah. Sabandi had 21 points off the bench. Leading scorer. I guess it's pretty cool when you don't have to rely on one player to do all of your scoring like John Hughley did last year. If John Hughley didn't have 25 and 12, probably weren't going to win. They they don't have much depth without Hughley. Uh, Sabandi was the only guy to score off the bench the last game, but the fact that he can uh, spark the offense. Burton's been carrying the team. Hinton's carried the team early. Even Cummings has had games where he's put the team on his back. I think that's huge for a team that, uh, actually, I was going to say they don't have one star, but Jamarius Burton might be in the driver's seat for the ACC player of the year.
2: Yeah, I, I would say Jamarius Burton is on star level at this point in the mm-hmm. ACC. Um, whether he wins ACC player of the year, maybe a long shot. They're going yeah, to, yeah, Filipowski, whatever. They're going to want to give it to a blue blood. They're going to want to give it to Filipowski, Bay Cod if, if UNC can turn things Those around. tobacco road kids. Absolutely. But Burton definitely playing at a first team all ACC level right now. And just to touch on what you were saying, Squid, about the the versatility and the different guys who can step up, Pitt just has a bunch of guards right now who can create their own shot. Uh, Sabandi. Obviously, I think that's probably his biggest strength is being able to create his own shot. There were a few times where the shot clock was winding down and it was like, all right, everyone give Nike some space. Uh, and he either blows by a guy for a layup or can hits that right to left crossover and pulls up for a silky. Let Nike cooker. cook. Yeah, let Nike cook. And then you have times when you know we need a bucket, and it's like, all right, let Jamarius Burton put this smaller guard in the post. It, they can't handle him down there. And then you have Obviously, Nelly Nelly, a few times this year, has got that mid-range jumper really going. So, having those different guards who can make things happen is is something that Pitt has been missing, quite frankly, for about eight years. So, it's yeah. it's really nice to have those type of guys, and you are going to need those type of guys come March. And the and the way Pitt's playing right now, I mean, it's really a lot of just high screen and roll, high pick and roll, space it out, let these guards beat their guy one on one. So that's how Pitt has kind of develop their identity this year and there's going to be every time you know you look at the duke game you have that long stretch where they don't score you have pit fans on twitter saying oh cable isn't making any adjustments offense things it's a bunch of guys standing around well quite frankly that's just how their this team plays offense and it looks really good when Burton and Savanti are taking over, and when they can't get to the hole or can't can't hit shots, uh, it looks ugly. But that's just the way it's going to be for the rest of the year. So uh, it's promising to see if there's a few different guys stepping up. And I- I'm really intrigued to see how this holds up through the entirety of the ACC schedule because all these guys are playing a lot of minutes. I mean, 30-plus minutes for Burton, 30-plus yep. minutes for Henson, for uh, Nike. So It's it may not be sustainable, but uh, this is the these are the guys they got to roll with. Dylan, you made um, you mentioned something there that you had a really great
0: tweet about uh, after either the Georgia Tech or the Duke game, which we have yet to mention because it made us sad. Um, People just kind of throw out the term adjustments to levy criticisms against a coach. Um, and it doesn't really mean anything. And now, now to the layman, and I can say that on a, on a like, firsthand basis, when they run an offense, it, it looks like five guys running a loop-de-loop around the three-point line, hoping one of them gets open. But you, a basketball mind, um, probably see what they are actually trying to accomplish. Can you talk about that a little bit and also, you know, kind of the cop-out of saying, well, Cable doesn't make adjustments um, and, and why that is true or not.
1: More loop-de-loop.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I can really give you a whole X is no film session here, but, I mean, it's pretty clear. What are we paying you for? You're right. I'll get the work. Uh, but you really can't say, like, you, you look at the pit team, and you can't say they run, you know, UVA, for example, runs the mover blocker offense to perfection. And it's very annoying and it's very effective. And it's like, I I remember hearing people behind me at the UVA game, like they're running the same thing every time. Why can't we figure it out? And it's all really based off, you know, a certain set of roles that they play off of. Um, But it's pretty clear that Pitt has realized what they have. And that's a couple bigs who really are, might be able to catch a law, but really they're there to screen and roll and try to give the guards some space. Uh you you have a bunch of veteran guards who have proven that they can make difficult shots and create their own shots. So it's basically set a high screen with these guys, see if we can get into some type of switch that favors us on the matchup. You know, get a big guy on Burton because if get a big switched onto him not quick enough to keep up with him. And if you switch a smaller guard onto him, he'll put him in the post. Uh Same thing with Nike. You know, if you can get a switch with him with a bigger guy, he's quicker than most guys w- up with his first step. So it really is like trying to get these, these switches that benefit them in that one-on-one game. And then if they can start beating guys off the dribble, you know, kicked our shooters, Blake Henson, a shooter, Greg Elliott in the corner, a shooter and, that's kind of the way they look like they're going to play for the rest of the year. So uh, when it, when it comes to adjustments, I don't really know if there was any adjustment capable could have made outside of, Hey guys, let's start hitting a couple more shots or Hey guys, just well, good coaching. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's grow another couple inches so we can, we can grab these rebounds so we don't give up 22nd chance points. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's always, it's in every sport uh... you hear it in like, in, people criticizing mike tomlin too it's oh uh, at halftime he didn't make any adjustments man there's 15 minutes in nfl ha- halftime there's no rewriting the rule book or the playbook there's no in-depth like complete schematic changes going on yeah at and at halftime and
0: i feel like the average fan isn't going to recognize those adjustments unless one the announcer points it out or two the steelers come out running the triple option in the third quarter, you know, so I, I, I agree. It is just kind of a, a cop-out and there, there is valid criticism to be levied against Jeff Capel. Just, you know, watching the way these pit games typically flow um, the past couple years. years. Uh, but <laughs> we're, we're splitting
2: hairs with the adjustments talk. It's, it's funny how the, these games have started to go in our favor a little more now that we have some better players. It's funny how that works. Weird. Who so let's publish? look
1: ahead to this week. Uh, we're, we're looking ahead. Uh, we're on the bubble. Depending on where you look at, we're pretty s- unanimously in the tournament, at least, whether it's the playing game, 9-seed, 11-seed, depending on which bracketology you look at. Uh, but it's going to take some work, and I think this is a big week to maybe get off the bubble and into the actual tournament. We have at Louisville, home against Florida State this week. That's got to be 2-0.
0: Yeah. um, So before we we kind of jump into previewing Louisville and uh, Florida State, um, what have you guys been seeing from bracketology? Because I know it's kind of like shooting blind at this point, but the fact that we are consistently being mentioned as either a fringe team or like a team that is firmly in is giving a lot of us a reason to live right now. Um, so, so kind of what have you been seeing, and what needs to continue to happen for us to make the dance win? I guess would be the first one,
2: but I, someone else talk. Well, I know Joe Lenardi is pretty much money. Like when it when it comes to the actual bracket getting released, he's always like. 63 of 64 teams or I guess there's 68 now. So he's never more than like one or two teams off. So he has a pretty good feel on the pulse of where things stand. And as of Friday, so January 13th, he had Pitt as the last team in uh, funny enough. He actually had Penn state as the first team out. So that we got him that, at that point. That would put us at an 11 seed, probably playing one of those playing games. One of the first four games, I should say. And I, Also, CBS Sports just came out with their new projections today, and they have Pitt as a nine seed, which puts them a little more firmly in the field. So I I think they've kind of been floating around that area. You know, Andy Katz is another guy who's been really high on Pitt. I think he had Pitt at 21 in the country uh, before their loss to Duke. I like him. I don't know who he is, but I like him now. Yeah, so Pitt right now is very much in... In that bubble field conversation, but I, I think to your question, David, about what do they need to do? Obviously, win, but they need to win these games that are there against a team like Louisville, who has two wins on the season. They have to beat Florida State at home, a team who, who's five and thirteen. They can't drop these type of games because those type of bad losses um, will really kill them in the analytics. I mean, a, a down ACC, especially a team like Louisville that you're going to play twice this season Um, although that feels like that should be two free wins those wins don't really get you much in terms of quality wins that's not going to be a q1 win i mean they're louisville is as just about as bad as it gets as bad as it gets in like the power six conferences this year so yeah so even beating them doesn't really even help you that much you have to win against them
0: yeah i so i guess to transition into that what the hell happened to louisville
2: Honestly, I couldn't even tell you. I haven't watched enough Louisville this year other than when I, like, throw on the ESPN app and I am I look and it's like, oh, they're down six to Lipscomb with four minutes left, and I just tune in. But they've just completely fallen apart. That's one of the most prestigious programs in college basketball. I mean, if they're not a blue blood, they're right in the conversation. They should probably bring back Patino if they have the chance. But... that'd be interesting that'd be
0: a pretty wild move um but yeah didn't they start off like 0 and 10 this year
2: something like that i mean they're 2 and 15 right now they haven't really exactly turned it up uh florida state's at least three and four in acc play i don't i don't that might be a bit of an indictment of the acc this year considering they've they've only won five games in total but basically these are gimmies and they have to be gimmies and you have to and you have to win them. And then they have wake Forest next week, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but these are the type of games that you can't lose or they can bounce you when that, when that selection Sunday conversation happens and you're on the bubble, this would be a game that you look back to. And it's like, oh, remember in mid January Pitt lost to Louisville. Yeah. Get them out.
0: How much, and this might be a stupid question, but I do not care. Um, how much do style points play into it? Like, that's a huge deal in college football Uh, like that one year TCU got bounced uh, from the college football playoff because they only won their game by 55 points when OSU won the big 10 championship by 59 points. And it it all came down to looking impressive. If we, if we pile
1: on these teams, does that help at all down the stretch? It might a little bit, but I think in college basketball, most wins, are similar unless it's like a real good win. So if you have a down night and you beat Louisville by six, I don't think you're getting penalized even as bad as Louisville is. Just It's pretty much just win and you'll be fine. I think what really matters is the, the now-dubbed quad one wins. Uh, beating good teams helps you more than anything. Mm-hmm. So from here on out, you have to beat the bad teams and steal one or two more against the really good teams, which would be Miami – North Carolina, Virginia tech's pretty good. Uh, so I think that's what will help Pitt the most. The good thing is we have a few in our back pocket already. I know a few weeks back, Pitt had more quad one wins than almost every team in the country because they beat Virginia. They beat UNC when they were ranked, uh, at NC state was a big win. Uh, Northwestern even pretty good now. So that might end up being a, a good resume booster. So at the end of the year, whenever you're watching these bracket shows, they show, uh, quality wins and bad losses. If we have a, a Louisville, we have a, a Georgia tech on the bad losses that can cancel out the big wins. But from here on out, beat who you have to beat, steal one or two, and we should be in good shape.
0: Well, that's good to hear. So do we have uh looking down the barrel of this week? Do we have any, I don't know if we want to do predictions or covering basketball on a week to week basis is very new for us. Um, I don't, I don't. I don't know
2: how we want to approach it. Um, I think we spent a total of fifteen minutes talking basketball last year.
0: Yeah, it was, it was all hard. talking
1: about how everything fell apart and how we were terrible. So refreshing.
0: I think it was fourteen minutes on
1: firing Jeff Capel. Uh, I don't know. I, I think we were loyal the whole way. We never doubted Jeff Capel. Never, never. And we definitely
0: didn't change our name uh, from something pro Jeff Capel so that we wouldn't be
2: associated with that ship that was very much sinking at the time. Hey, Jamaris Burton and Blake Henson throughout the, the lifeboat. Jeff Cable hopped on, and now they're riding at the shore and potentially the promised land of, of the tournament. So I don't think we need to do any pred- predictions this week. Uh, I think it's... Please, please win these next please two. win. Let's get to what would that put us at? Fourteen and six. I think if you're at fourteen and six at that point in the season, twenty games into the season, everyone, every single pit fan would have signed up for that a couple months ago. And with with a I think three quad one wins, I think someone dropped out, so we only have three instead of four, but three quad one wins in our back pocket and a fourteen and six record moving forward. Um, I'd feel really good about our chances of playing in March. So let's just please win these next two and touch base next week. Maybe maybe if we want to get a little creative with it, we can do a sports book or something. But right now, it's just please win.
0: Please win. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with Homefield this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code Suns for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, There's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at HomeFieldApparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's HomeFieldApparel.com. Well, not everything was uh, sunshine and rainbows this weekend for Pitt. Via Twitter, Dante Cephas, the uh, much sought after wide receiver transfer out of Kent State announced that he would be joining the Penn State Nittany Lions football program. Uh, He was a massive target for Pitt. And this is a bit of a surprise as uh, everyone down from Pete Thamel on down to uh, the commenters on the Panther Lair all seem to think that he was a shoe in for Pitt. Um, once he got over his academic hurdles uh, as recently as about a week ago. So this is a bit of a gut punch. Uh, John, Dylan, why don't why don't you guys tell me, first of all, your reactions to losing out on Cephas and then also uh, how this fits into the larger picture uh, of our receiver room and the worries that Pitt fans have around uh, that group and their
1: depth. I'll start by asking if Jared Wayne completed his paperwork for the NFL and if it's too late to start a GoFundMe to bring him back. No, he has like 72 hours starting today to
2: withdraw. I think it's worth considering. Open up the checkbook. I don't care what it takes. Well, he is Canadian, so.
0: They cannot do that. Those All
2: right, F- fill up the duffel bags and drop the cash at his apartment. I don't care.
0: No, I I think that's really, really, um, yep. We need Jared Wayne. We need him to come back next year, like desperately.
1: But that's not going to happen. Let's come back down to earth. Jared Wayne's gone. Dante Cephas is off the board. He committed to Penn State like hours after they fired their receivers coach, which is weird, weird and not what one would expect. But here we are. How, how does it look? This is our way-too-early wide receiver room preview. Well, I, I don't want to just jump past the safest
2: situation because this was kind of an odd, just from the jump, an odd recruiting process for him, transfer process. So mm-hmm. very early on, we knew Pitt would be involved even before he entered the portal. And then Penn State got involved, Georgia offered him It was like, oh, so this is going to be a national recruit pit might get left in the dust on this one. And then a couple different times, it sounded like he was a Penn State lean. He was a pit lean. He was a heavy pit lean. And then he commits to Penn State. Um, I know that from what I've heard from sources close, close enough to the program was that. He was originally leaning towards Penn State, and then word got out that Jared Wayne was probably gone, and that was very attractive to Dante Cephas to come to Pitt to be the number one guy here for a year. Um, if he would have been second fiddle to Jared Wayne or kind of having to fight for those number one reps, it it wasn't as attractive. So to see Jared Wayne leave, I really thought that meant we had a good chance at Cephas. Right. And uh, miss I, I feel like the Pitt coaching staff probably felt the same way. Um, I think Terry Smith, the former gateway head football coach who's the who's an assistant up at Penn State. I think his ties to the region really helped Penn State land him here. And uh this one hurts. It it hurts the receiver depth for next year. We don't have a guy on the roster who caught for over six hundred yards last year. I mean Kanate Mumpfield will be the leading receiver with five hundred and fifty yards and a touchdown. Ooh. So there is a lot to be left to be desired with this this receiving core. So we, we, we do still have uh at least one
0: iron in the fire left with uh Dijon Reynolds, um the receiver out of uh Florida. Uh, right, Florida Yes, Florida, right, out of Florida, uh, who the staff seems to be really impressed by and you know we've heard really good things about, but as you look at this receiver room, um you're left a little bit worried and I'm sure this is going to be a big topic of conversation in spring ball. And then, uh, as, as the team heads to camp in August, but they're really going to need a young guy to step up, whether, you know, that is a true freshman, uh, or if Addison Copeland and Shane Wabuko can, uh,
2: Miles Olson.
0: Sure. Uh, can step up this year and, and, you know, really, really supplement that uh, starting receiving
1: core. Do you think Signetti will do some more three tight end packages? (laughs) Move Bart to slot receiver? I I think it's tough because we knew this was a need. Staff had to assume Jared Wayne was leaning out the door whenever he was starting to put up big numbers. Uh, Bradley was gone half through the year. I think everyone, including my mom, knew that Jalen Barton was going to leave and after that you have a bunch of young guys and some guys who aren't super proven so they knew this was a need and we sort of struck out in the portal I mean we might get Dejon Reynolds he, he visited the basketball game with Jerkovic uh, things look to be good there but that's not a sure thing either uh, yeah he's a Florida recruit he could be great but he's not what Dante Sipus was 11 the thing with Reynolds. He had 11 catches last
2: year, for Florida, 12 catches over two years there. He's not exactly, I mean, I know he's a former four-star recruit, but he's not exactly a walk to be, to be able to step in and be an ACC starting caliber receiver. So uh, even with that name still on the board, you, you don't feel great about Pitt's, hit success in the portal this off season with, with receivers in particular hit a bunch of different positions, but it's, it really is, you know, you have Bill Dracovic coming in and that receiving room is a little bare. And does it, does it have anything to do with last year's offense, how the offense was run? It's definitely going to legitimize those claims that so many fans have raises awareness to and it kind of feels like there's receivers looking and like ah that doesn't exactly look like a fun offense to play in if I'm a wide receiver.
0: Yeah, yeah, there there's significant opportunity for I told you so uh incoming this off season. Um we hemorrhaged receivers, couldn't bring in any anyone new and oh I wonder if that had anything to do with the fact that we refused to run a Cohesive passing attack last year. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that's what it is, but uh, I, I can definitely understand how people saw the saw what happened last year, saw what's happening with our personnel group, um, and and coming to that conclusion. Um, but I I don't know. We we went big on receiver in this most recent recruiting class, um, and then they got the you know fastest guy to ever put on a pit uniform in Shane Wabuku and also Addison Copeland, who I know they were very high on uh, when they were recruiting him. So some, somebody's got to emerge, right? Right. There'll be opportunity for it. Certainly there will be, Um, which, which leads me to this fun little thought exercise. Uh, Instead of the number of times we're going to bring up this conversation. Uh, let, what if we tried to predict, you know, ahead of time for the spring, the spring sessions, uh, which incoming freshmen do we think we're going to hear all of the lair buzz about?
2: I think my bet would be on Lamar Seymour. I know a lot of people thought very highly of him when he committed, felt like he may have flown under the radar a little bit. I know that you tried to, well, he was originally committed to the U. We got him to flip. But it felt like some other bigger-time programs might come in and try to swoop that commitment mm-hmm. up. Um, he stayed committed. So he's a, he's a bigger receiver, big frame, and very impressive highlight tape. I mean, every we always say every high school player has an impressive highlight tape. But he was a guy I watched that was like, wow, this guy looks the part. He looks like a guy who come in and play. Big, strong hands. So I, I think Seymour – is the guy I'm looking at. And then Kenny Johnson from York PA looks like he could be a ball player out there in Penn state land. We, we got mm-hmm. him to come over to the city. So if that's who I would have, who I
0: was planning to take was, you know, if for no other reason, we love our Kenny's um, and we stole mm-hmm. them from Penn state. It would only feel right uh, for him to be a, a, you know, a big emergence this spring. What about you squid?
1: I don't know if you said we had to take a freshman, but I'm not going to take a freshman we haven't seen a freshman play and put up numbers since Jordan Addison. And as we are seeing now, he is perhaps the best wide receiver in this draft class. I don't know if we have a guy like that Uh, news flash. So I think they're going to rely heavily on miles Alston and Addison Copeland. I know each of them got some reps this year. I don't know if those guys will be ready or the freshmen will be ready after spring camp and, whatever reps they get in fall camp to be thrown into action that quickly. So I'm going to rely on some guys who have at least seen the field.
0: Okay. Okay. I, I think these are all some great guesses. And the reason that I wanted to do this was so that we cannot talk about this again until spring is over, because I really foresee this, um, And I'm struggling to think of the apt comparison from last year because we talked a lot about the incoming receivers and a lot about if Keaton Slovis can play, you know, to X, Y, Z level. I foresee it being a very long summer of talking about the receiving group. And we have put in our bets and we cannot rip this one back open until the spring game. Can we all commit to that? We we've made we've placed our bets. We'll we'll see how it comes out at the end.
1: I don't know. I think if I see Zion Fowler make a one handed catch in like the third spring practice of the year and it gets put on like the pit industry account, I'm going to just buy all the stock in the world in them.
0: That's fair. Who am I kidding? If if something cool happens, we're going to jump all over it like a pack of hyenas. Like a pack of hyenas. I was going to go crocodiles, but same team. Uh, what, one thing I, I didn't want to go on mentioning the whole, uh, Cephas thing is, uh, the, the role NIL may or may not have played in this, uh, you know, there, there's whispers and I don't know if it's like legitimate or just that thing now of when we lose out on a guy we want, it's because someone dropped a bag. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, there, there's. Murmurs of that coming out of the whole Cephas thing. And uh, and obviously, right now, I don't think we're going to be able to compete with Penn State in that. Uh, but there is kind of a light at the end of the horizon right now. Um, I, I don't know if any of you guys saw. Well, I know you guys saw because we tweeted it. But you, the listener, if you saw it. Uh, but it, it looks like Pitt is finally making a push on the NIL front that is targeting Mid level donors. Um, Pitt's big mistake, I think anyone who's tuned into the program would tell you as NIL was rolled out, is they they barked up the Chris Bickle tree and the tree of anyone else in that tax bracket, uh, for big high end donors, but uh, there wasn't really a way for people with our income to contribute to NIL, but it you know, I. Heather like and uh, and Pat Bostick did that video package talking about a subscription, um, and and that should be huge for Pitt. Um, I, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I felt that Pitt handled the you know the transition into the NIL era terribly and tried to rely on culture as a means to bring recruits in, and, and it became very obvious very quickly that we needed to compete economically.
2: I think Pitt really wanted to come across as Pitt always has, you know, there was always the fans complaining or saying that we're not the ones dropping a bag in basketball. That's why we're not landing these McDonald's all Americans. That's just not the Pitt way to do it. And I feel like Pitt tried to continue to portray that, that, face with when NIL come across as we're going to do things the right way. We're going to wait till we get guys on campus. Narduzzi said it. We're going to wait till they get here and then they can earn those opportunities based on their performance. I'm glad
0: you you clarified Narduzzi because I was going to say Jeff Capel has never been accused of being anyone's bag man.
2: <laughs> right, right. I, I was more so referencing back in the Dixon era when we weren't getting some of these bigger recruits. People right. always said, you know, pits squeaky clean. We're as clean as it gets. But Narduzzi's like, oh, we're going to do it the right way. We'll get him on campus. And he wanted to point to Kenny Pickett. Kenny was obviously the first guy. And oh, he was able to get a deal with the Oaklander and all of these other local sponsorships. And then the rest of college football caught up. We started to lose some recruits. Everyone looked around and was like, all right, that's not going to work. Let's figure this out.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate that it kind of looks like NIL is – going to be a requirement for landing recruits, you know, when this all happened, I think everyone knew, you know, it's going to be really big in the transfer portal. It's going to be really big for retaining top talent. And we saw Jordan Addison leave, you know, in in part because of money that was promised to him by USC and may or may not have ever been delivered on, but still the promise of it. Uh, But it's, it is a lot more important in recruitment than I thought. And we are learning that the hard way.
2: I think Pitt's always going to be kind of in that second tier in terms of this NIL stuff. I think this is a good start, but, and I don't want to get into a whole NIL discussion and think piece about this, but we've talked about this enough that this probably should figure itself out to a certain degree when, a team gives a high school fresh or a high school senior five million dollars to come to their school, and then they never get up over second string on the depth chart. Like these things should start to sort themselves out. Texas A and M went five and seven this year. After all that, well, <laughs> Jimbo will tell you they didn't. They didn't buy those guys. But I, I do think at some point this has to. It's not sustainable, and you're always going to have this oil money and these big donors with huge pockets that are going to be able to write some checks, but I, I don't think it's the doomsday apocalypse scenario that, no, that we thought it was about 12 months ago. No, but it,
0: it's, it's good that that pit is trying to level the playing field by going after, you know, the guy that has a hundred bucks and really likes pit football. Uh, and, and that's going to be, you know, monstrous for us.
2: Yeah. It, I mean, just think all the money we'll make from this podcast, we'll just probably just give the pit. So that just all the more incentive for you to listen and subscribe to our show, because it's not like we're, we have a dime to our name from all this. We just spend it all at pit games. So that's helping in some way.
0: Yeah. We need to start uh, writing off pit games in our taxes so that we can see something out of this, you know, I don't know, whatever, but uh, yeah. So <laughs> um, if you're listening to this, Alliance Four One Two, go sign up. Twenty fifty bucks a month. Um, it'll go to you know all pit athletes, not just the football team, which is you know huge because you know the the women's volleyball team and and the the gymnastics team and the wrestling team they put Soccer in a shift. Fame they put in a shift every day too so you know spread the love um and heather like uh when you listen to this because i know you do and you 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 want to come on and talk more about nil opportunities we're we're more than happy just name the time and place uh you know to help help push that message out
2: please donate please nil please land some receivers print the shirts print them but any closing thoughts, fellas, on any of this? Anything? Uh, it's cool to care about basketball again.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, That's... we did in some light in the the dark, dreary days of January. So hopefully we have another uplifting episode next week. We were, we were talking about this the other day
2: um, at Archie's during the game, and I was like, I can't believe how nervous and how stressed out I already am about a potential tournament game. Like if Pitt is in a, a game, an eight nine game in the first round, and they knock on wood, blow it like the Duke game last week, and they lose in that type of fashion, oh. I will be I will be inconsolable for minimum thirty days.
1: Like, I, I'm not I, even there yet. I'm preparing myself for pit to end the year with like 21 wins, but still get left out of the tournament somehow. And was we'll up being the one seed in the NIT for like a 17 win big 10 team. Wisconsin. Yeah. Like I was going to get in at like 17 and 15 and we'll, we'll be like the one seed in the NIT. So I'm, I'm bracing myself for that. So when we get in, I'll be able to just be happy. Enjoy the ride.
0: Yeah. Let's yeah, get got to make room for the big 10 teams because you know, there's one thing that's good for ratings, it's a it's a bunch of big white guys that have perfected the
2: bounce pass. Absolutely. Well, let's just please keep winning. Please. Happy Basketball's back and uh Cable Faithful might, might be making an appearance. Mm. Although last time that happened that went terribly wrong. So,
0: yeah, we already have like the new logos and everything. The LLC is under Loyal Sons, you know, we can't can't get two loose with it.
3: It's time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like one want to in my head, all thinking please stop once i say